Welcome back to the Real Men Podcast, where we talk everything Brookwood football. I'm Dylan. I'm Jackson. I'm John. And today we want to we want to brief back on kind of what happened against this, uh, against you know Central, and we're also going to talk about how uh, Brookwood prepares for Hillcrest and uh, what to look for in this game. Um, I do think I want to start by uh, talking about Central, seeing as you know, to your host here, me and uh, me and Hayden actually were on the sideline for this game. Um, and I mean, really, what what else can I say other than Brookwood played a pretty decent game? Um, you know, there was there was a lot of positives about that game, but there were also a lot of negatives. I think, um, you know, something that Brookwood really needs to look for is playing the full game. In a sense that Hayden, you could vouch for me on this uh, on this game against Central. It seemed as if they were they were into it after the first quarter had ended. First quarter yeah, played, and it was it was very sloppy football. I think a lot of players were ready to give up. I, you know, I, I maybe not players, but I, I know a lot of people were ready to give up. They were like, "Oh, well, here we go, same old Brookwood." And then, obviously, we started moving the ball on offense. We started connecting on those deep balls, and the defense just played outstanding. Um, you know, the defense finally, you know, got really really clutch um, after the first quarter, and they they really locked it down and did what they needed to do to pull away with that win. But um, it, it's you know I saw I saw kind of like a like half filled play before the first quarter ended. And once for, for uh, first quarter ended, it kind of clicked in their mind that oh we're playing a football game let's let's kick it into gear. That that's that was my main concern with Central is that we just didn't seem to play the full game, and we kind of caught on to what they were doing after the first quarter. Thankfully, they hadn't built a very comfortable lead against us, so we were able to come back from it and then pinch the shutout. Until um a, like uh one touchdown later in the game, but um yeah, it just seemed like Brookwood wasn't playing the full game of football. Well, here's what I saw. I didn't get to see the first quarter because I was out doing stuff. But when I got back and I saw it was fifteen zero, I gotta admit I was pretty shocked. I didn't think that it would they would shoot out of a cannon that quick. But with the second I started watching, Brookwood started to click, offensively and defensively. You know, people were running to make the tackle. People were, people were making plays. Offensively, I think the deep ball was insane. I think Kobe has become slowly more of a polished passer throughout the year. That deep ball to Timbo was perfect. You know, a couple of his passes to Otis were just flawless. The running game with CJ was not as effective as I would think, hope so, but it was pretty good. Um, Clayton had a pretty good. Clayton had a good touchdown reception. Great throw by Kobe. Defensively, out of our mind, we couldn't – on some sides, we couldn't make a tackle, but on other like instances, we could. The amount of – the pursuit that we had was insane. I'll, I'll give us that. A couple of plays I saw from Reed just chasing down tackle, chasing down people and just spearing them and making sure they go down. Micah played an insane game. Oh, insane yeah. game. Uh, you know, I I saw a lot of great things from Micah in that game. Not only in um, not only in blanketed coverage, but even when the ball was reaching the receiver, he was on top of it. I saw a lot of plays where he was swatting down the ball and like you know actually rushing to the play. And I think Micah again continuing to make those progressions and take those steps up even during the season has been very very good for Brookwood. Um, yeah. and it adds it adds another layer to that defense. That players, you know, teams can't plan for, right? Obviously, you know, if if you want to plan for that that D line, 
you're gonna send max you're gonna set max protection right before before like you know your weekly like game planning and you're also gonna you're also gonna like you know maybe put out an extra lineman every once in a while or you're gonna you're gonna play your tight end and blocking more right um yeah. you can play them for your linebackers right if they're if they're heavy blitz linebackers such as Ethan Reed um who by the way played an amazing game in coverage um you, you know you can you can play them for that you can play them for the blitz pickup but I mean, if you're planning for that and you forget to, you know, plan for that secondary, then you're gonna let that second, you know, you're you're gonna you're gonna find some issues there, which is what I think is happening. Um, teams are trying to plan for that front seven and forgetting that our secondary is sneakily like very good. Um, yeah. And you know, it it allowed Micah to have probably the best game of his, at least this year. Pro- I would say probably his football career. Um. But at least this year, it has been his best performance, uh, just hands down. Mike is making sure that he goes out in a great way as a senior, and that's awesome. I think that some of the negatives, um, at points we couldn't stop that run, the running game. Yeah. Their running back was going insane. He, every, when he'd break away, nobody would be able to get him. It, it was just awful. You know, they connected with a couple passes here and there. Couple of our DBs just couldn't go up and get the ball, and we—that's something that we need to work on. You don't watch it, play for play for the pick, play for the deflection. Don't play for anything else. Don't watch the quarterback. Make sure that that guy won't catch that ball because sometimes sometimes we tend to stare at the quarterback and where he looks, and then that wide receiver will get open, and that can go for six. If the DBs keep their eyes on the receiver and the receiver only and what the play recognition is, then they got it. Now, I think that we lacked that that game. I think that we went back to square one just looking at the quarterback, and we want, we want to make that pick six so bad, then it's just a touchdown, and we get screwed over in the end. Hayden, you got something on the game? I honestly don't. You know, pretty much said majority of what I'd say. Um. I want to say that you know watching from the sidelines is a very fun football experience, um, and it really lets you really connect and kind of see how the player emotion was. You could see the emotion in the game, right? Like obviously, you know I'm good friends with Ethan, and I saw a lot of emotion from him. But not even, not only him, right? I saw it from everyone. Everyone seemed to like not and you know I, not to not to make it seem bad or anything, but I did notice a couple players on the sideline after the first quarter where it was like. Oh, we're back to our old ways, and we're gonna lose. You know, and that—that's what's upsetting, right? But then, you know, they started to come back, and the 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 emotion, like, actually, you know, it it became it became like higher and higher, and you know, it seemed like the players were actually getting in the game for once. And I, I think, you know, that's something again I brought up a while back that Brooklyn needs to handle themselves too, and that's controlling emotion, both you know, positively on the field and positively on the sidelines. I think there's always got to be hope for the game, no matter what the score is. Um, and there's always going to be emotion on the field. Take the anger of our previous years, take the anger of the, the trash talk, and put it into good play, and put it into your, you know, put it into your hits, put it into your rushes, but don't let it affect negatively. Yeah, I agree as well. A lot of the I was I got on the field a little cup I think about like thirty minutes or so before you did and I say about a couple hours um 
and the morale and everything, especially after how it happened against Hueytown, everyone was very, I was, everyone was still hyped. Like everyone in the, in the pre, before the game, everyone was just, was hyped. They were excited. It's like, and I love that because, you know, I've always looked at Brooklyn's morale always being destroyed too easily. Like you could just break it with a, with a hammer and it, and it would be mm-hmm. just tap and it would be broke. And I, you know, going into that game, I was thinking, you know, if our morale get, if, you know, from what we had last game, if we take that in and just, you know, let it affect us negatively, we're not winning this game. Even in no way are we winning this game. Yeah. And when I got on the field and I got to see the mentality and the height that all of the team and the players had, it made me, it, to me, it's a very great thing because it just shows that it shows me and to anyone else that this team can be broken, but next game we're ready. We're not going to just completely sit there and fall apart. Speaking of next game, Hillcrest. Hillcrest is our next game tomorrow. Do we? I think we play. We play them here, right? We play them at home. No, we play. I thought we played Hillcrest. No, we're, we at play there. Hillcrest at away. We okay, we, we play at Hillcrest. Okay, we play at Hillcrest. This game. Tough game. It's going to be a tough. Game. I'm this sure they, it's a tough game. They did beat Hueytown, right? If I'm correct, forty-seven to thirty something. If I'm it correct. Would, no, it, I think it was like fifty-two to forty-two. It was something like that. It was. It wasn't. It was a close game until it wasn't. Um, Hillcrest is a very, very high-powered offense. You know, they run that I-form offense. Play actions, run up the middle, bootlegs. Ethan Crawford, it's, you know, the Southern Michigan. Gotta, yeah, I mean, it's it's got to be it's got to be a game of IQ. That's Ethan, I was going to say, go ahead and say what you guys say, and then I'll, I'll give my two cents on it. Yeah, Ethan Crawford is that Southern Miss commit. He committed recently. I think he might decommit and go somewhere else, but – He's just such a polished passer, has so many playmakers on offense, and that defense is scary. So many guys on that defense that will just hit, just knock you out, take take a tooth off you. We got to have guys ready to go. We got to have guys ready to fight because this, if, if we don't go out there and we don't give it everything we have, it's going to end bad. We gotta have we gotta have great great attitude going into it. We gotta have a great attitude going out. I'm not saying this is impossible, but this is probably one of those weeks where I wouldn't fully be on Brookwood's side. And again, I'm not biased at all towards Brookwood. I know when we can win the game and lose a game, but I'm just saying if we were to win this game, it could shift shift the way Brookwood's season goes. Dylan. So here's my thing. Hillcrest is going to be – I'm not going to say it's going to be a lot like Hueytown because I don't. I, I really don't think we're going to have another game where we just have that bad of a performance, right? Um, I'm going to say this. Here's my, here's my thing. It's going to be at the level of toughness as Hueytown. Both are amazing programs. Both have some amazing athletes. But the way I look at it is that Hueytown was a much more physically dominant game. We had a lot more just bruisers on offense, just hitters on defense. The game that we're going to have against Hillcrest is going to be purely IQ-based. We need to play smart, all right? You need to play physical. I'm not saying you don't need to play physical. I'm not saying it's not going to be a physical game. I am saying, however, you need to play with brains more than you need to play with muscle. Like Jackson said, it's a lot of play action. It's a lot of read option. It's a lot of that stuff. And if you let a play go downfield, 
<clears throat> what happened there? Um, if you let a play go downfield, it's um, it, it's going to be demoralizing because they're going to do it over and over, and they're going to abuse it until you finally pick up on it. And once you finally pick up on it, you know they're already two scores up, right? So, exactly. you know, play play physical. Don't don't you know don't lose your physicality, but play with a little extra thought in your in in your um in your rushes. Play with a little extra thought in your in your um you know in your stances, right? Or just you know just your your reads, because if you don't play with smarts, they're going to dominate you. No question about it. Exactly. Um, and you know. It, I noticed a lot of things last week, such as you know, the the team maturing in a way. Um, a lot of the talk that we've had about Ethan Reed being one of the best players on the team, uh, you know, was heavily dependent on, you know, he's playing two sides of the ball and he's playing two two sides of the ball very well. Um, and I think that we're finally realizing using him at one spot rather than two is extremely, extremely beneficial for us. Uh, even, you know, Reed told me this himself. Like, he was on the, he was on the sideline, and, and we were talking. He prefers playing either only defense or only offense because he's able to fully gas himself out without having to worry about the next drive, which allows for better play. And I totally agree. I think, you know, playing players on offense and defense is necessary, yeah, because you want to use your playmakers in the most spots as you can, you know, Take Otis for example. Take take uh take Will for example. Take Ethan. But when you're sacrificing the player's physicality, which is their greatest part of their game, such as Ethan, um, it's like I mean, at what cost are you running them on both sides of the ball? You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. I think it, that that's one thing that we need to look for. If he continues to just play defense, I think he's gonna have a wonderful game. But I think if they revert back and move him back to offense and defense, he's going to gas out really quickly, and we're going to be missing one of our biggest playmakers. Yeah. Um, Reed is just different, and I was going to bring up some key players to watch out for, and I don't think I need to bring his name up because he's always one of those guys. And I think Kobe is going to be one of those guys this game. I think if he just – plays his game like he did last week in terms of throwing the ball, which, by the way, was a thousand times better than Hueytown. Oh, my God, the amount of improvement he had was just phenomenal. I think if he just sticks to the, how he was throwing, you know, like throwing that Donnie Timbo or Clayton or Otis or whoever, just, just sling it as best you can. CJ needs to be able to pound that rock. We just need, able to, we just need to be able to match him on offense. We just need to be able to. And my like third player is just Otis. Offensively and defensively, he's a dog. And he needs to be able to continue to be a dog no matter what. Because this week is going to be a tough week. He's going to have to guard some really good receivers. One of his best plays was against Hillcrest. You know, his, when he first started playing varsity back in the 10th grade, when he first started playing football at Brookwood High School, his like first like big play was a pick. Almost it was a pick six against Hillcrest. Ethan threw it straight into his hands. So I think that if he just goes out there and plays a good game, then we'll be fine. Hayden, you got anything? No. No, I mean, uh, when it comes to uh, players to look out for, majority of them are the same ones, as you said. And I'm going to – obviously, I talk about Will Sanders a lot, but I'm going to add this in. When I talked with him at the before the game against Central, and he had an attitude of, you know – 
I, I may be injured to the coaches, but to him, he didn't feel like it. He wanted on that field desperately and badly. He wanted to play the game and wanted to play his heart out in the game. But, you know, he was just kept out for safe reasons because he was, they just, the coaches didn't want to take a chance on him and just wanted to have him for next game because it is Hillcrest. And we're going to desperately need all our best players as much as we can. And like you said, I agree with Kobe and Otis Sims. I mean, those two have proven a lot this year, and I agree with you about Kobe. He has stepped up a lot and improved since Huey Town. So, I mean, I really – a lot of the players you brought up are the exact same for me just to look out for. Um. I think someone you guys kind of forgot to mention that's uh, coming back this week, uh, Will Sanders, coming off of injury. Um, you know, we missed him out on last week, and we saw kind of where that, where that you know, detriment happened. You know, the runs, they were good, but they weren't going for a huge game, right? We were still bell cowing with, um, with uh, CJ, and CJ, you know, would, you know, we didn't have a lot of chances for outside runs, and that, you know, comes from missing Will. Um because he's obviously a huge part of that outside run offense. Um, but, you know, it, it, Will coming back is going to be a big a big help, especially because he's one of those guys that you utilize on both sides of the ball. And he's going to play He's gonna play good on both, right? Um, and you guys mentioned Kobe. I, I agree with you. Um, and I think it's less about continue the progression, because I think he's, he's at a point where his progression uh, is, is, you know, it's really good. I think we're at a point where we can like really win games with him. However, he needs to play like that the entire game. You know, I, I talked about the entire team playing like it, but especially Kobe. He needs to tighten down those deep throws like early in the game so that we take an early lead and we can play with confidence rather than playing from behind the entire game. And, you know, playing from behind messes up a lot of stuff for us, right? Because obviously we're a very run-first, pass-later defense, uh, or de- uh, defense offense. And, you know, a, a lot of people kind of seem to forget that, like, or seem to think that like when you're down, running is out of the question, which isn't necessarily true. However, I see where they're coming from, where you want to pass downfield and get that, you know, get back to regular point as fast as possible. Um, but that puts a lot of, you know, puts a lot of stagnation in our game plan when we, um, when we're not able to run. Um, which is why it's so crucial for him to like get those, get those early touchdowns, and keep pace with Hillcrest, um, instead of letting it go away from him so quickly. It's kind of the same thing that happened with Huey Town. Same thing that happened with Central. Um, obviously, the first play of the Central game, at least on offense, we ran a trick play, and it, it was wide open, ready to go for the touchdown, and it, it just, you know, it was just overthrown by a couple yards, and it, it was really heartbreaking to see that because it worked so perfectly, and you know they practiced that and practiced a couple times, and they were so excited to run that play, and it just ended up not working out because it was a bad throw. Um, but it's like you, that that kind of stuff needs to be locked down early instead of picking up on it in the second quarter. Hillcrest is not a team to push over. It's not. You know, there, there's always been that talk about how Hillcrest has always p- never done a pad practice um, before Brookwood. Um, because every time they played us, we were a pushover. Hillcrest is not a pushover. Hillcrest is ready to go in and beat us as per usual. I think Brookwood is at a point where we can upset them. But it's gotta have the entire team playing perfect from quarter one to final final whistle, um, and a lot of that starts with Kobe. You know, lock down those throws early, read those defenses, figure out what they're doing early, and then just keep going with it. Keep you know keep your foot on the throat and don't let go. All right. Exactly. Um, but you know, it's, it's 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 the same people. 
Ethan's got to, you know, going to continue to play well. CJ, I think, is going to have a better time this week with uh, with some of his linemen back. Um, you know, Otis is going to continue to play his game. Um, I, you know, th- this this is a very very difficult game. However, it's I think honestly, Hillcrest is more winnable than Hueytown. Yeah, I think that we could pull it out. Um, do y'all have any closing remarks? Because I'm I'm going to be honest, this is. This one's not going to be a very long one. Um, uh, have anything really? Uh, I mean, you know, it's it's another one of those weeks where it's like I think a lot of people are expecting a Brookwood loss. Um, and I'm not going to say I'm expecting a Brookwood loss, but I wouldn't be surprised if we see one. Hillcrest has an extremely, extremely dominant uh, team and program, and it's been like that for years. If we if we walk away. Without the W, don't hang your head in shame. Get ready for next week and pound the ball. Um, you know, it's it's a, it's the same situation as the Hueytown game. You know, they're very good teams. Don't get discouraged if you lose. But if you win, don't, you know, don't get too excited over it. You know, season's not over. If you lose, season's not over. If you tie, season's not over, right? Um, well, you can't tie in high school, right? No, you can't. Oh, that's right, that's right. Um. But, I mean, the point still stands. No matter what happens from the game, win or loss, the season is not over, right? I think Hillcrest is realistically our toughest matchup left on the schedule other than the TC. However, the TC game doesn't necessarily matter, seeing it's not in division. Um, but, you know, Hillcrest, it's it's a tough team. But I think, you know, what, what we've put out on the field this year has given Hillcrest a little more fear than usual. Someone tells me they practice with pads for the first time in a long time, um, and you know it's uh, we're 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 hitting the radar. I think Hillcrest, you know, the, if if they if they see us as the same Brooklyn team, they're in for a rude awakening, and they're gonna they're gonna get you know they're gonna get pl- like very rudely surprised when we walk in there tomorrow night. Um, but you know if they take a notice to how good the team has progressed. I think you know they're gonna they're gonna be ready for whatever we put at them. Um, what do y'all? What just just a question? What do y'all have for score predictions? What do you What are you guys thinking? I'm thinking the Panther analysts kind of put it well. Uh, Panther analysts on Instagram. Um, I think what what did he what did he say the score was gonna be? It was like thirty six to uh, 19? thirty eight to nineteen. Yeah. Thirty eight to nineteen. I think it's gonna be somewhere around that range. Um, I, I am gonna say Hillcrest walks away with the win. Um, but uh, I've, I've said since, you know, last year, Hillcrest is the one team we could upset if we have a team that we can upset. Absolutely. If we're looking at teams that we have absolute, just no favorite for, right. If we are like, you know, 10 minus 10 point, you know, deficits, right. Or not deficits, um, minus 10 point or, uh, Hillcrest plus, uh, plus 10 point favorites. I think you know we're we that is a team we have the most chance to upset, um, but I do think it'll end up in like the thirty to twenty range, uh, you know. And I think Brookwood walks away with the L in this game. I'm just gonna keep it simple. I'm gonna go with the score of the Panther and list thirty eight nineteen. I'm gonna have to do the same too. I really, when you really look at it, he did. He's the way he brought everything into perspective and talked about it. I really agree with it a lot. So I'm gonna have to just stick with the with the same score he went or they went. Um, for sure. Yeah, they. This is what they said. They said 
Kobe Humphreys finds both Otis Sims and Timothy Barron for touchdowns. The Panthers' defense manages to create one, possibly two turnovers, and then Brookwood will fall. This all will tie in, but we will. I, I guess we'll see um, how everything yeah, goes. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna make a bold claim here. I think if anybody's scoring, CJ's finding the end zone on a on a run play. I think Matt Hughes finds his first offensive touchdown of the year. Oh, I like that. Yeah, Matt Matt has progressed a lot. I think this year. I think they're going to start getting more comfortable with him in the offense. In in a testing, in a you know, in a testing play to kind of see what he'd do. I think he's going to find the end zone. That's going to um, be awesome. Other than that, though, uh, I think that is what the end of the episode for us. It is for sure. Um, remember, guys, if anyone's listening and you guys want someone else on the podcast, let us know. Hit us up on our Instagram at the Real Men Podcast Official. Um, we're out, you know, now on Spotify and RSS. Um, make sure you keep promoting the promoting the uh, podcast. Promote to your friends. Promote to the players. Uh, promote to parents. Promote to the community. Just you know, keep getting it out there so we can keep doing big things. Um, and you know, if you want someone on the podcast, let us know. If you have any ideas of things we could talk about or um, you know, fun fun ideas we could do, let us know. Um, other than that, I'm Dylan. I'm Jackson. I'm John. And this has been the Real Man Podcast.